The trigger warnings for this episode include eating disorders, anxiety, sexual assault, birthdays, childhood trauma, sexually explicit language, rape, toxic parents, sexual situations, drugs, and children. It's funny that those are your intentions when you actively seek to sleep with someone. Um, When I have sex with someone, it's just like, meh, you know. episode two of our podcast and it's called if only we had a phone charger my name is andy my name is nicole and um we're i guess we're gonna get into this this first subject how is your week going nicole oh how's my week going well (laughs) um yesterday was my birthday for all of Everyone who does not know this, I absolutely despise my birthday. It is the only day of the year that I cannot stand. Um, I hate the attention. I hate when people feel obligated to make me feel special on a day that I think is just not necessary to celebrate or just be... And that's just me. Like, I love celebrating other people's birthdays, but just my own birthday, I hate when the attention is on me. How's your week going, Andy? Oof. Um, <laughs> I uh, got absolutely destroyed by some finals this week. Um, but besides that, I'm, I'm really excited to get into this podcast because um, I've been thinking about this subject for a little while. But first of all, I, I guess let's talk about birthdays um, because I share the same opinion about birthdays. I absolutely despise birthdays. Um, and that's basically since third grade. I guess I'll, I'll get into my story, then I'll give you the floor and then we'll talk about your story too. Totally. When I was in third grade, I was kind of hesitant about throwing a birthday party and my parents like really encouraged me to. And I was like, okay, let's do it at a Jolly Jump place, I guess. I don't know. I was really ambivalent about it from the beginning. I, I think I've always been kind of shy about birthdays um, as far as I can remember. And I just remember that day um, was the day that set in stone that I, I started to dislike my birthday. And that was because I kind of felt all of the, the social stress that you get with trying to please everyone and um, having the expectation that this is supposed to be like the best birthday ever. And like the, your reputation, your social reputation specifically is hinging on that this is going to be a really fun birthday for everyone involved and that those people are going to go to school and talk to all the people that didn't go to the party and be like, oh, you guys missed out, blah, 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 blah. You got cool presents, um, blah, blah, blah. It was so much fun. And I think that was the probably the first time I can remember like hating my birthday. And I remember a, a bunch of times, because it was Jolly Jump Place, I would like go into like of section of the jolly jump and like run and hide for like 15 minutes at a time because like i was just so afraid of not being able to please everyone at that party and um the pressure of like my parents put money into doing this and making me feel happy but i just couldn't feel that way because i was just so stressed out um trying to make sure everyone else was having a good time as well. totally 
that is that's similar to my first experience of hating my birthday, which is funny because we both started to hate our birthdays on our eighth birthday party. Um, mine was similar though. My mom forced me to have a birthday party at a bowling alley, and I did not want to have one whatsoever. I begged her not to throw me a birthday party. Um, I did not have very many friends when I was eight years old, which I believe when I was in third grade. Um, so I just, I begged her not to throw me one, but she did anyways. And she reached out to all of the parents in my grade and invited their kids to come. And I remember like around, I think it was only 10 people that showed up. It was eight or 10 people that showed up. And it was just absolutely horrible because I knew that their parents forced them to go. And just the entire time I w I had the same issue of being worried about, you know, being like cool enough and like making sure that everyone else had a good time because I didn't want anyone to report back and be like, yeah, my mom made me go and it was terrible. And also just the, Andy talked about this a bit, but just the societal pressure of, you know, making sure that you appear cool enough. And just ever since then, man, my birthdays are a daunting day for me. Absolutely horrible. Yeah. And it's, it's not just like um, making it cool for everyone else, but like you're also trying to appear really grateful and like happy that people spent time and energy on you and like going to this event. Um, and then you have like, I mean, I, you have all the intention that could possibly be on you, on you on that single day. And it's just a lot. It's a lot of, a lot of pressure. I think that's mainly what I dislike about birthdays is just the pressure. It's just like, I, it's, it's crazy because your birthday is supposed to be a day where you're celebrating yourself, but I often feel the most stressed. It doesn't ever really end up feeling like a celebration, you know? Yeah, and I, I even escalated to the point um, when I went to high school, I was like, I am not going to tell anyone my birthday. I'm going to keep it as low-key as possible. Like, a success on my birthday would be no one wishing me a happy birthday. <laughs> no one would know it was my birthday. It would just feel like another random day and I could just get through the entire day without anything at school. And then um, there's no pressure. And you can enjoy your birthday the way you want at that point. You know, if you wanted everyone to know about it and for it to be a big thing, then you would make sure that everyone knew about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I remember um, I wouldn't tell anyone my birthday, no matter how good of friends they were of me. And I would put a fake birthday on all my social media. Um, and so people would wish me this like happy birthday on this other day that's not my birthday. And <laughs> it would be a lot more relieving than it being on my birthday for whatever reason, just psychologically. Because it wasn't my birthday, I feel like I, I was more okay with it. Totally. Totally. And then also, I mean, that's smart. Since you mentioned that to me the other day, it had me thinking about doing the same thing because most of the people who wish me a happy birthday yesterday, I, I will, I'm not that close with them, but I think that they found out it was my birthday through my Snapchat. Yeah, because I think literally I had so many random people text me and I was like, hmm, like I wonder if like I never thought about it until you told me about it the other day, but the amount of people that said happy birthday to me, I'm like, there's just no way that you remembered my birthday. Yeah, exactly. Because the really close people that you know, that know your birthday, know that you don't like your birthday. 
Yeah, and I think you're the only friend that I have that actually respected my dislike for birthdays and you did not wish me a happy birthday. No, I just sent you an, an embarrassing picture from four years ago you where you were in a line with other girls and you were the only one laughing. And no one else was laughing. And I was just looking all types of crazy. But That's yeah, what I would have posted on social media. It was a lovely photo. I'm just going to say this. Like, I don't want to spend all... Oh man, this is going to sound really bad when I say this. And I really hope it doesn't come across as bad because I love that everyone was really kind and caring and reached out to me. I really appreciate that. That that made me really happy. But I'm not going to lie and say I probably spent three hours yesterday free, like having to respond back to every single person's happy birthday. Like, I And I really like this is the most people that have wished me happy birthday in my entire life. I got like over 40 texts and I'm like, I don't know all of a sudden why this is happening because literally I remember when I turned 20 no one knew it was my birthday I spent it alone in my room that's um, <laughs> stark contrast it is two years ago no one knew it was my birthday and then yesterday I had like 40 plus messages and I'm like yeah but just like also like I had to freak out about like how to respond to everyone I didn't want to sound inauthentic like I spent most of my day worrying about how I'm going to respond to people and I'm like this is so yeah you know what I mean yeah i I definitely don't see or feel validation when people wish me a happy birthday the way that I feel like other people interpret it. Yeah, I'm the same way. And like, again, like I love celebrating other people's birthdays. I always have so much fun going to a birthday party. Every single one of my friends had a birthday um, in October. Three of my friends had a birthday in October and they all had birthday parties. And I had so much fun going. Like I love celebrating other people, but myself, man, no, thank you. Count me out. Yeah, and again, guys, like, I'm not, I'm not the birthday police. I love <laughs> birthdays. I'm not saying that you can't sell it. This is for the people who also hate their birthdays. If it stems from trauma or whatever it is, like, I love a good birthday celebration. I promise I'm not hating on birthdays. And I yeah. <laughs> And, like, in perspective, like, it sounds, it sounds privileged, like, the place that we're coming from because we have the ability to, like, um, invite people to an event, and I know that that's like not everyone's um, experience with birthdays. So I guess that that's something that we shall also keep in, in the equation. I second that comment. <laughs> I agree. That wraps up my week is just having to feel anxiety about birthdays because I hate the attention that comes with it. Maybe not the attention, just the pressure. But yeah. And for today's podcast. Wait, first, first. Um. Let's get an update on the girl that we talked about last week. Are we talking about the girl that I was supposed to call things off with? Yes. Well, okay. So um, she asked if I wanted to hang out on Friday, uh, this Friday, because I was like, I work on Saturday, but I might go out of town for my birthday, which I did not end up doing. And she was like, yeah, super down to hang out Friday. And then she wished me a happy birthday. And I said, thank you. <laughs> and then she never responded. So... Dang. Well, <laughs> I mean, I, I guess the conversation did do its job in that there aren't really expectations. Like, um, I think when we were talking about it um, off the podcast, I was like, ooh, let's like try to maintain expectations because like I, you don't want to like give off the, the idea that like she can invite herself to like go hang out with you on vacation. Like, 
because you guys like had that really good conversation. You guys basically said you're exclusive. <laughs> yeah, but then what's weird is like, uh, it's unfair of me because we did have that conversation and now she is doing exactly what I asked her to do. And now I'm like, why isn't she talking to me as much? And I know in my head, I'm like, it's super unfair for me to even have that thought for me to be like, okay, she's not, she's actually not trying as hard anymore. <laughs> so we'll see. I think that she really is just putting the ball in my court and not trying anymore, which is what I asked for, I guess. Well, then what's going to happen? What are you going to do then? If the ball's in your court, then you have to make the next move, right? I do have to make the next move. The hard part about it is like, I'll be honest, like lately I've had really bad anxiety whenever I leave the house and I'm just like, which is, you know what, may, exactly why I told her I'm not ready to be in a relationship and she totally has respected that. So I'm like, maybe I should just let it be for a while because I'm totally just like, I feel like I need to just work through some things, you know? Taking it a little bit deeper, the reason why you're in Nashville is that you wanted to have uh, a circle around you that of people that you can trust, that you can rely on. Right. And you're not, you don't have that circle still. And you're still looking to find that that reliable group of people that you can talk to about anything um, that you trust, that you don't have to put your guard up when you're around them. Yeah. And it's been hard because I, I really haven't found that in a super long time. Um, just like in physical places, like when I lived in San Diego, I had a few close friends, but in, yeah, no, I, sorry, I'm getting lost in my thoughts, but exactly. And I think that's why I think I need to take some time to just focus on myself. And also like, I, I've come a long way in just recovering from an eating disorder, but I still have such a long way to go. And it's really, truly so energy. It's, it drains a lot of my energy working through this thoughts that I have daily. Like most of my day is genuinely just like worrying about I'm just like, oh, okay. I, and again, like I, I know when I step outside of my eating disorder brain, I know it's super irrational, but anyone who struggled with an eating disorder can tell you that they spend most of their day in their head being like, can I eat this? Can I not eat this? Like, am I going to get fat? If I eat this, I shouldn't eat this. Every single day I have to battle through those thoughts. And like, I'm still working that out. And it's just so hard for me to put the energy towards like, actually like minimizing that voice in my head and also trying to like be in a relationship you know like I feel like yes I need to be in a relationship with myself but I also just need to work I'm, I'm still working on being in a mentally sane spot where I don't feel exhausted every day dealing with that voice if you know what I mean yeah like when all is said and done at the end of the day you don't have the mental energy to have a, a serious conversation or be completely present with someone else Exactly. And it's super hard because I would love to be present with someone else, but it takes, it does, it takes up a lot of energy. That's another really hard part about, you know, recovering from an eating disorder. Your brain is like, you don't want to go out because you don't want to be put in a situation that's going to make you uncomfortable and make your eating disorder voice go, nope, no, 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 nope. It's hard to explain, but it, it, it is, it's exhausting by the end of the day where I'm just like, I would much rather sit in my bed and turn my brain off for a bit than put on, you know, a front and pretend like I'm, everything is fine. Yeah. And I think that's, that's something that, I mean, me as your friend, I keep in mind, like in the back of my head when 
when you're like, oh man, I'm really excited to do something like at the beginning of the day. And then it gets towards the evening, like, oh man, it's like 30 minutes. Like, should I text them and say like, I'm coming over or should I just like chill out? Cause I'm really tired. Like, I don't really want to go out anymore. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you 90% of the time when I'm saying I'm tired and don't really want to go out anymore, it's not coming from like, I know that if I was not struggling with an eating disorder, I would still want to go out. I I didn't really gain that perspective of like how exhausting it is to keep like your mental health in mind until like a, like a year ago or like six months ago, honestly, because I didn't realize that how much it, it engulfed my life that I'd I just chose not to realize it. Like it it was always there. Like talking about childhood trauma in third grade, like looking back, I can say, oh my gosh, I was super socially anxious. But from third grade to my junior year and in college, like I didn't necessarily think about it. Like, oh my gosh, I have childhood trauma and, and I'm still not over that because I still have this stigma around birthdays. Yeah, honestly, like now that I'm aware that I'm not the only person that hates my birthday, it gives me hope that there is a significant other out there who will also understand. And I think the main thing that we've been wanting to talk about that I'm really excited to talk about is talking about good sex and hookup culture. First of all, I hope none of my parents or family members or coworkers or potential employers are listening to this. If you are, please shut it off. <laughs> please click. Please. I, I do not want to have this conversation with you right now. <laughs> please do not bring this up. It's totally cool if you just click off and we just forget that this ever happened. <laughs> we, would not, we would not be mad if you just yeah. decided you didn't want to listen to this podcast anymore. Just, just skip to the next one. It'll be yeah. fine. It'll all be good. Like you, you've had your, your weekly update. We're all good here. I did a little of an experiment, as one would say. And I, um, I still have a good relationship in air quotes. Like we, we're still cool with my ex um, right. that I dated last and so I was just curious, like, and so I asked her, like, did you think that we had good sex? Um, because I listened to a podcast and um, someone on the podcast was talking about how they feel like guys are so out of touch with what actual good sex is versus them thinking that they had good sex. And right. so I was really curious what her opinion on it was because I started thinking about it and I was like, oh shit, like, I don't know if I've ever had great sex to quantify it. I feel like um, I had a good time. The other person had a really good time too. And um, the flow of like the entire experience was really natural. Like it wasn't like awkward and like spastic or like, I don't know how to describe it without making it really explicit, but like um, it just didn't feel awkward. Right. And you're saying like, that's what you think is the defining. Yeah. Like generally speaking, I mean, I guess it's something to be considered that um, I'm very new to it. Like I, I think we might as well get into it about Virgin talking about losing Virginia and stuff too. I I used to say it from high school to college, all throughout college, that I lost my Virginia in high school to my high school go- girlfriend. In reality, I didn't. <laughs> um, 
we Fair. talked about it a handful of times and she just wasn't comfortable. So I was like, okay, I understand your boundary. I'm not going to push it farther than that. But Which is a respectable thing to do because most men do not do that. Yeah, definitely. I, and I definitely had that in mind. I was um, really cognizant that I didn't want to push that boundary at all. Right. Um, and so we didn't have sex. We, I mean, if we're talking about bases, we probably got to like second base total. Um, and so I came into college with like basically no experience about sex. And I, and I understood that most people that I was going to interact with had at least one experience in high school. I mean, the average age of losing your virginity now is like 17 years old, which is the senior high school. It kind of sucks for people who haven't lost their virgin or that, yeah, who haven't lost their virginity yet, because then there's an added pressure of feeling like you're not adequate. Yeah, 100%. And I, I definitely felt that. And so I came up with this lie that was pretty much foolproof um, up until the point where I, I still had friends from high school and they were really suspicious from the beginning because she would say one thing and I would say the other thing. And it just right. didn't add up. But for most of the majority of the time, it wasn't really a problem because every time it got brought up, people would just be like, oh yeah, that makes sense. And I didn't feel like awkward or out of place. What's interesting is that I feel similarly, even when I lost my virginity, it's just like, you don't want to feel, I don't want to say, you don't want to feel like you're not good enough. And I feel like not feeling like you're good enough for sex could maybe translate to your self of worth or your, your sense of worth. For a majority of, of college, I did not, I've ne- I had no experience with sex. I, um, I had my roommate set me up with a girl on Tinder and the expectation was to go have sex with her and she was down. <laughs> but for whatever reason, I was just like, I'm not really feeling comfortable. Um, we call it the 10 hour talk girl because the very first time <laughs> we hung out, um, the expectation was pretty clear from the beginning that I was just going to her house to hook up. She was like a year older than me. So I got pats on the back when I was like leaving our dorm room and everyone was like, you got this bro, blah, 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 whatever, hyping me up. And when I got there, I never made a move. And I remember I stood at her bedroom door frame for the first hour and we had a really good conversation. Like there was no pauses in our conversation, just flowed really naturally. Oh, yeah. And then we like did a little apartment tour and kept talking. And I finally like sat on her bed and we literally talked for 10 hours that night, 10 hours straight. Baby, that's a lesbian date right there. Lesbian date with the 10 hour girl. And so I don't know why, but she gave me a second chance. Oh, okay. chance. So the second time we came, I came and we hung out for 12 hours. <laughs> And we watched a movie and we like FaceTimed her friends um, from back home. And um, I was getting like, I was being really good, like like getting to be really good friends with her first. Right. But I still like wasn't making moves or like trying to have sex with her. Like she was like hinting and like, like going, like getting super close to my face, like the way you would if you were trying to get a guy to kiss you. And right. I was like, mm, not feeling it at all. But I just was attracted to her. No. <laughs> okay. So also like if you don't want to just, you know, 
I don't, I know there's a stigma around losing your virginity being way more important for girls, but also like, you know, you don't have to lose your virginity just so you can meet a social standard if you're not attracted to someone, which I know you know this, but. I am living proof of that because that is exactly what happened. I had um, a bunch of dates after that, a bunch of situations that, that could have been hookups where I just was like, nah, I don't know. I mean, I guess, but. I don't really want to, so it's not going to happen. Right. And then when you don't want to have sex, and I can speak on firsthand experience from that, when you don't want to have sex and you still have it, it's not going to be good sex. It's just yeah. not to be. I guess. And I another perspective that I had um, coming into college throughout most of my college experience so far was I was hanging out with people to get into a relationship, to have like a monogamous relationship with them to eventually get married. And so I wasn't planning, I wasn't trying to do hookups or um, have friends with benefits with any of the girls that I went on dates with. I was literally trying to date them. Right. (laughs) And I think that that also set the expectation level because I didn't just want to have sex to have sex. Right. Like if you were going to have sex with a girl, it was going to be your girlfriend. It would be someone that you would be pursuing. Exactly. It's a different situation perspective from, from what you have. Yeah. I am not like that whatsoever. (laughs) Um, I'm not there. Sorry. (laughs) I'm literally quite, no, but it's true. I have never, but that's where it's not offensive because if I was just, I don't know. Well, no, it's not offensive either way because listen, I've never had sex with someone, literally, which is funny that those are your intentions when you actively seek to sleep with someone. Um, when I have sex with someone, it's just like, meh, you know, rule of prox- law of proximity. We're, you know, if you're going to make a move on me and I'm here, then, you know, I guess whatever. Um, but that also opens up another, you know, chain of discussion because... Every time I've had sex, I've never enjoyed it. And it's made me feel extremely uncomfortable. Every person that I've slept with, I've never wanted to have sex. I've just had it and I've never enjoyed it. And I've always felt extremely violated every time I have sex. But Andy and I were talking about this the other day and I was thinking about my first boyfriend, my first, last, and only boyfriend. (laughs) On the record. (laughs) Yes, just to make that extremely clear, um, he was the guy I lost my virginity to, and him and I were on and off from when I was in eighth grade until I was a sophomore in college. And I lost my virginity to him when I was a sophomore in high school, and the only time I lost my virginity, (laughs) he pressured me to do it. Um, and I didn't really want to have sex, but I still did it anyways because I felt pressured. And that pretty much set the tone of our entire relationship is that he just wanted to have sex all the time. And honestly, I don't think him and I really knew each other because we spent most of our relationship just having sex. And I'm literally not even being dramatic. We genuinely pretty much only had sex and or fought with each other. There was really never an in-between. I think that we both were two individuals who had traumatic childhoods. So we were just taking any ounce of physical touch that we could get. And there were a few times that he 
definitely forced me to have sex when I said I did not want to. So I really fucked up. So fucked up. And I remember what the second he did it two times. And I, the second time I told him, I was like, do you realize that this makes me feel like I am being raped? And he got really mad at me and he was like, never say that again. This makes like, why would you say that? That makes me feel really gross. I feel really gross now. And he spun it in a way to make me feel bad about telling him that it was not cool for him to still proceed to have sex with me when I said I did not want to have it. But it was funny. It's not funny, but it's kind of funny that he then spun it around and got mad at me. It's yeah, like, like he's like, that's not what I that's not what I do. Like this is this is us. Like we're in a relationship, so it's fine. That's exactly what he did. And he got mad at me and he was pretty much yelling and he was like, That makes me so uncomfortable. Why would you say that? I feel like a gross person now. And it's like, dude, because you probably should feel pretty gross. That's it's definitely not okay to violate someone when they say that you don't want to have sex, regardless of if you're dating or not, which I think Maybe a lot of people don't recognize that. Well, we've, that- we've never gotten taught technically how consent works. Like yeah. even today in any regard on social media, on any videos and stuff like that, there's no universal. This is exactly how consent works. You say, do you want to have sex? They go, yes, or any other answer at all. Any other answer means we're not having sex. Right. Then Which, um, like, mm, I'm not sure is a no. <laughs> but it's funny because a lot of guys, or I'm not even just going to say guys, a lot of people might confuse saying I'm not sure. And they might manipulate that in a way where it's, they're not sure. So maybe I can, you know, turn them on a little bit more and then they'll say yes. Yeah. And I, I've definitely been in a situation where, they were down, like the female was down. And I was like, yeah, I don't think this is going to work. When Nicole was talking about her first and only guy relationship, the boundaries that were set were not being respected. Right. Honestly, did you even have boundaries? I guess that's another thing. We really didn't have boundaries because I remember, this is such a random memory, but I remember my senior year of high school my ex-boyfriend and I went to the Travis Scott concert and we got in the biggest fight because on the drive home, like in the concert parking lot, he wanted to have sex. And I was like, that is not happening. That is makes me extremely uncomfortable to have sex in a concert parking lot. And the entire drive home, he would not talk to me. So essentially like anytime I said I didn't want to have sex, it would turn into a fight where he would manipulate me and make me feel extremely bad about trying to set a boundary. Yeah. I think I'm going to be a broken record talking on this podcast. Like in hindsight, you see 2020, especially in that relationship. It, I mean, looking back, you're like, yeah, that was extremely unhealthy. Right. And um, it's not, I mean, like all yours, you're, you have sexual trauma from that experience, from that relationship that continues to carry on to today. And I never, I never realized that what I have been experiencing is a form of trauma because I've never understood why when I have sex now, I feel super violated and I feel kind of gross about it. And it genuinely stems back from my first boyfriend. Yeah. Like I guess perspective wise, have you ever had 
sex with someone that you are um, really close with, like emotionally close? I would say that the most recent girl I have been talking to is the only girl that I'm emotionally close with that I've had sex with. And was that the best sex that you had? It is the best sex that I've had, but it still made me feel uncomfortable. But it's hands down the best sex that I've ever had. That's so interesting because I feel like they're they're really competing thoughts. Like the best sex that you've ever had, but you still weren't comfortable and you didn't enjoy it fully. Exactly. I had a few seconds where I kind of tapped out of my brain and I was like, okay, I'm enjoying this. But about 10 seconds later, I was just like, okay, when is this going to be over? Because I'm uncomfortable now. Yeah, I, I feel like that, I mean, progressing on with, with my sexual relationship history... Um, I, I kind of thought, um, towards the beginning of college and middle of college, like I need to get experience, like sexual experience. Like, um, I feel like it's hindering me negatively because other, like my friends are having the, the experiences and whatever, and like doing the whole hookup culture and stuff. And I'm, I feel like I felt like I was behind the curve. Yeah. And I still, I mean, up until after my most recent relationship, I haven't even considered like hooking up with anyone bes- like until after the third or fourth day after like, I, I really get to know them. I have a really serious conversation. Like um, I had extremely high expectations for people that I hooked up with um, up until like the, the middle of this year, honestly. You had high expectations for the people, like saying, by saying that, do you mean you have high expectations as in you wanted to date them? Yeah. Like, yes, I had specific intentions. Maybe that's a better way to say it. Right. So like you, you wanted them to meet what you wanted in a significant other if you were going to sleep with them. Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. I, I didn't want to waste the, the emotional intimacy that sex is. Do you feel like it's easier for you to enjoy sex when you know the girl more? Or do you think that it's just an added bonus that you know them more? Or that you feel emotionally comfortable with them? That's a good question. Okay, because here, here's the situation. I guess this is coming, coming all the way to, to the current timeline. Um, what really sparked this thought was I was really considering which sex was better. I had um, consistent like sex with my girlfriend at the time and that was great like we were we were emotionally intimate with each other and I was comparing that with this hookup that I had um where we like she like came over to my apartment and we like hung out and watched a movie and um she we started cuddling and then we hooked up um I guess this is goes without saying but I'll say it, it was consensual like I mean, I, I feel like I might as well mention it because I don't know. I, I feel like, I feel like you have to mention it now. I don't know. Yeah. I think it's a good, a good societal standard to set to actually announce that when you had sex with someone, it was consensual on both sides because like, remember you were saying earlier, it's not talked about enough. So yeah, yeah. I, I literally, we were like making out. And I was like, do you want to have sex? Or like, do you want to keep going? She's like, yeah. So there, there's the consent check mark. Right. Anyways, right. Good. Um, <laughs> and we had like really fun sex. Like it was different from the other experiences that I've had. And I was trying to determine if it was better. 
if it was the best sex I've ever had. And I was like, I honestly don't know. Because like that, I feel like the hesitation itself, it basically implies that I've never had great sex because I, I'm like comparing two things that are good and not one thing that's great. Like, right. I feel like if it was really great that I wouldn't have to ask the question in the first place. The answer would already be there. Yeah. Like it's, I mean, in, in the context of relationships, like it's pretty clear um, when you really like someone, you know that you like someone and you don't have to ask yourself, am I interested in them? Do I like them? Like you just, you know, and you feel it like inside you. So then what do you think you have an idea of when you've ever had the best sex or you have no idea? I see. That's the thing is I don't know if I've ever had great sex, which is crazy to say, because like, I don't know. I you would assume that like checking the boxes of like having a relationship and being serious and being intimate, like you would think that that would be the best sex, but I would put it at the same tier as like me hooking up with a girl and like hanging out with her on the first date and having sex on the first date. So do you, this brings me to my next question. Do you think that not being good at sex is a deal breaker for someone you're going to be in a relationship with? <laughs> Let's say I'm not referring to your most recent relationship. Let's say that you've been dating someone for four months and you have realized that they are not good at sex and you maybe have tried to fix it, but you there's just no room for growth. Would you still date them? No. <laughs> I, I honestly think, okay, today my, my current outlook on relationships is I have two expectations. Um, to have physical chemistry and to have emotional chemistry. And the physical chemistry is extremely apparent from the first 10 minutes, 15 minutes, like that first physical interaction, like you can tell pretty much. And it doesn't change regardless of the time after that you spent. Like I've never experienced like it growing on me, someone that I have no physical chemistry with growing to have physical chemistry with. Right. You think it's either there or it's not there. Yeah, exactly. There's, yeah, it's, it's black and white. Like I either have good physical chemistry with them or I don't. So do you think that physical chemistry translate to sexual chemistry? I kind of say physical chemistry without saying sex. Okay. To you, physical chemistry is the entire package of being romantically attracted. All the intimate stuff, like holding hands, um, like physical contact in general, like kissing everything. Yeah. Well, see, now this is making me wonder all of the relationships or maybe friends with benefits with people that I've wanted to date at the time. I'm curious if they ended things with me because I just was not good at sex. <laughs> that, that makes me wonder because I theoretically, I think that what you're saying makes a lot of sense. And I think that it's completely acceptable and probably necessary to potentially consider breaking up with someone or not pursuing a relationship with someone if the sexual chemistry is not there. And if this is bad and same with physical chemistry, if that it's not there, then it's, you know, worth considering, am I meant to be with this person? And I like don't want to burst your bubble, but (laughs) I feel like as a guy, you can tell when a girl's not into it pretty fast. So <laughs> Why do they continue to have sex with me until they finish? 
if they're not interested. Because sex with you is better than sex with themselves. <laughs> wow, the male population shock. As fucked up as that sounds. Actually, I'm honestly, I feel like I'd get canceled for saying that. <laughs> it's true, though. I don't think you can get canceled for that because that's genuinely what happened is that I know that I'm not good at sex, especially when I slept with men. I know that I'm not good with sex. You could probably consider me a pillow princess, and I'm not... I'm not happy to admit that. It's actually rather embarrassing, but I'm going to be brutally honest here. I hated having sex with men, and I never wanted to do it. I just did it because they wanted to, and I felt like I had to, like it was normal, um, and that it would be like weird for me to not want to have sex with them. There were still certain men that I wanted to date. It gets very confusing, guys. I don't understand what goes on in my head. That's like a fucked up like mentality. Like I, It sucks that that's how you feel because that's – that like it feels it's wrong right like you didn't have to it feel like you're expected to have sex with a guy ever which is totally i absolutely agree with you unfortunately i feel like that that's a a reality for a lot of women and i'm sure men too i think it's on both sides of the spectrum so guys the summer before i moved to nashville when i was still in san diego i had a fling with this guy and a fling is in like um, you hung out every day for most of the day with this person. You went camping alone with this person. We did a lot of like relationship activities. You were dating without the label. Let's be real. Right. We literally were dating without the label. We would go camping like almost every other day. There were times where like I would tell him I'm having a really bad day and he'd be like, okay, get in your car. We're going to go camping. Like, oh my God, give me that in a gay woman <laughs> and I will marry them. What's funny though is I wanted to date him just because he was unlike any person that I've met. Just in the fact that he did these activities with me and like actually wanted to hang out and it was fun. Still hated having sex with him, which is, you know, confusing for me in every facet of my life because <laughs> I'm like shit I don't know if I'm gay if I'm pansexual if I'm bi I fully don't know but I know but I do enjoy sleeping with men never have I wonder if that's why I've been dumped multiple times honestly like maybe maybe, maybe. <laughs> I it really it hurts it stings uh, to realize but it, it clears some things up for me also I feel like when your sexual chemistry dwindles so does your physical and emotional um, relationship with that person because they know that you can't really advance past that yeah yeah and I think that I mean that kind of gets into uncharted territory because we haven't really been in I mean actually I, I mean you have but I haven't been in like a long serious relationship post honeymoon phase post multiple years of like having sex like where I don't know if it gets boring after a while or how the chemistry works after a very long distance amount of time honestly um thinking about my first boyfriend the chemistry never left um I was just as attracted to him every time I saw him and that also could be because we lived far apart from each other um, when I was in high school, my mom had no idea I was dating him. So also like it, we did not have a regular conventional relationship with one another, but knowing 
and being on and off with him from when I was in seventh grade till a sophomore in college, the chemistry never dwindled. That's interesting. My freshman and sophomore year of college, he was living in Vietnam. So like we didn't really get to see each other often. So I don't know if it had something to do with that, but it literally never dwindled. I was just as excited to see him every time. Granted, it was an abusive relationship. That's interesting because I feel like that's something I worry about a lot. And I think it's a valid concern, but I think that if you're having that that worry and if things are dwindling, I think it can always be worked on, but maybe it's also something to consider, like maybe they're not the one. I think you'll know when it feels wrong and when it feels like it's normal and that this is a normal part of a relationship. Like you will know when you have that feeling, if you're like, oh, like I'm not excited about them anymore. It could just be a normal part of just, you know, relationships can get boring if you're not treating them and putting the energy into them. That that kind of transitions almost perfectly to the the last person I I saw. (laughs) Which was who? Um, Are we going to give her a code name? Let's give her a code name. What if we call her Kennedy? So... The last person that I um, saw was Kennedy. <laughs> yes. And um, we, I think we talked a little bit. I met her on Tinder. That's kind of how it goes lately, especially in quarantine. It's really hard to to find new people and meet um, people outside of your circle. So anyways, Tinder matched, talked for a couple of days, got her Snapchat. She didn't snap me for like three or four days. And I was like, what the heck? That's so weird. We had a really good conversation. And she's like, oh, I'm not on Snapchat that much. Here's my number. And then I asked for a number and she was very responsive. Over text, we planned on hanging out. We hung out, watched a movie, hooked up. Second date, we watched The Bachelorette together with me and all my roommates. My roommates loved her. And could like just absolutely raved about her like wanted to hang out with her more and um, she was really pretty not that it yeah. mattered but she was a very pretty person i agree she was definitely really pretty and um what ended it was i was just like not motivated to like see her and hang out with her like a lot like i i I had so much trouble putting it into words to her because i had a conversation with her um basically talking about how there was a difference in um effort being put in because she would text back pretty immediately like she was hinting at hanging out on a day off where everyone had like a day off on like veterans day and she was like hey like i'm not doing anything tomorrow are you doing anything oh maybe we could hang out like hint hint nudge nudge right and for some reason i just like didn't want to hang out with her and i just i don't know at I, I still can't put it into words, but... The chemistry just was not there, even despite the fact that... And I think this is important for people to hear, that even if someone is attractive, you don't have to be attracted to them, and there just might not be attraction there. Yeah, like, and I think the worst part was um, having that conversation with her, I realized how mature she was. And I was like, I really want to have a relationship that has this level of amazing communication where... I, I kind of threw this like situation, like, hey, I I don't know why, but I'm just not feeling it. And she was really articulate and um, calm. And I mean, I I think I kind of um, surprised her how mature that I came th- came out with this conversation as well. But it was just like a really productive conversation. It just it was so crazy. I don't. I mean, I'm so sidetracked from what we were originally talking about. I think this is good though. 
but I mean, it just, it raised the level of expectations I have for relationships in the future because of how good that conversation was with her. I remember after that conversation you had with her, didn't you second guess your decision because her communication style was so attractive? I didn't second guess it, but I just, I, I wish it was like a different circumstance. I wish like I liked her because right. it would have been such a healthy relationship. She did communicate so flawlessly with you. It just blows my mind. Like I, there's, there's no way to like communicate across to other people um, how great it was because I feel like you, like people don't believe me when I say that. Like, I, I, I don't know. I don't know how to articulate it, but basically like she, um, she was, she basically just talked about how um, she really appreciated that I brought this up, that she didn't realize that guys were so intentional the way that I was um, thinking about a relationship and thinking like three, five, 10 steps ahead about potential problems that might come up. If I didn't say anything, it could have been fine. We could have hooked up a couple more times and hung out and whatever, and maybe gone on a couple dates. But at the end, it would have fizzled out. And she would probably be really frustrated and confused at the end of it because there was just never the same level of um, effort being put on, on on her side compared to my side. Right. And she'd always be wanting more. And, and she'd see that, like, we do communicate. We did communicate really well. And I think that that would kind of put a cover on the the situation that I just, for whatever reason, wasn't into her the way that she was with me. Right. And, and that would also lead Sorry. I was going to say that would lead to unnecessary stress on you too, because she would be frustrated with you and express those frustrations with you. And you would have to maybe have a fight with someone when you could have just avoided it altogether, which is what you did. Yeah. And I kind of realized that there's this double standard too. I, I feel like I hear a lot from, from girls that they hate that guys lead that lead them on. And they want, as soon as you think, mm, I don't, I'm not really interested in this, this person. You should tell them. Right. And when I do that, they're like, oh my gosh, like, why did you let her go? She sounds amazing. Like, why couldn't you have stuck it out more? Because it's hard to find a girl that has that great communication. And you're like, wait a minute, but you, you want two conflicting things right now. <laughs> like, I, I can't do both. One's faking it because, because the situation or because the person's great, even though you don't feel it. And the other is, um, being completely honest with them, but not getting what you wanted in the moment. Right, which is super unfair. And it's actually pretty crazy that that, that, that is a double standard because I, I've definitely heard like that being a thing that girls have said is their frustrations with guys not telling them and not ending it soon enough. And then when you do that, it's like you get judged for it. Yeah, then you're like, why didn't you give them a chance? Like, it was only a couple, you only hung out with her six hours total, four hours total. Like, you could have given her more of a chance. Like, you don't know that person if you've only hung out with them six hours. And it's like, I've even seen a lot of my friends continue to pursue relationships or hanging out or flirting with specific people because they have been told that they haven't hung out with that person enough to know. When you're told that, x amount of times you're going to start to believe oh i guess i can't trust myself and i should continue to hang out with people even when i know i don't like them yeah yeah and i feel like you see that all the time on on dating shows i mean i 
I consume a lot of dating shows and dating advice and all that stuff. A really good example was um, Love is Blind on Netflix. It came out at the beginning of quarantine. And there was a couple um, and the female was like older, like in her mid to late 30s. And the guy was like 24, 25. And you could tell from, from the very beginning of the show when they first met each other that she just wasn't that interested. Right. She kept trying to like, oh, maybe like, oh, maybe more time will, will make me like him more. Maybe if I like throw all this crazy shit out, out at him, that he'll break up with me. And that just didn't happen. <laughs> and he was like, no, like, I'll, I'll make the sacrifices I need to make because I really like you. She was hoping that he would eventually break up with her. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. <laughs> and then he never did. No. <laughs> oh, and did she eventually break up with him? Yeah. Oh, dang. I don't know. She got a lot of hate at the time because um, she, like, I think the audience could tell that she wasn't into it. And he was so into it. I guess I'm just saying, like, it's it's a lose-lose situation in, in those standards, like, in the social expectation. I agree. And I am agreeing because I think that if she were to have broken up with him sooner or broke up with him sooner, she would have gotten judged and people would have said, you should have given him a chance. Exactly. Yeah. Like, you, you can't, there's nothing that you can do to satisfy everyone, to satisfy society. No, there's literally never a winning answer. And that actually makes me even think of The Bachelorette when I've watched seasons with friends. I, I've done it myself, and I guess I never even realized that I did this. When I have really liked someone on the show and The Bachelor or Bachelorette let them go. And I remember there have been times where I'm like, oh, my God, they're such a great guy or they're such a great girl. Why would they let them go? And, like, now being more mature and understanding, you know, the way to properly communicate and handle relationships like that is just absolutely wrong if someone knows that they're not attracted to someone and that it's not going to work out they should definitely communicate that early on yeah and to be fair i i was i was a hypocrite about this um for a while and i've just recently started actually implementing it but um i remember i used to have this 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 dating role called the two date role and it was basically like, um, regardless of how bad the first date was or how great the first date was, I would give a second opportunity to go on another date just to make sure that I, um, maybe I like, I caught them at a bad time and they weren't really feeling the date or whatever reason. And I scrapped that because I feel like I, I knew within like the first hour of like hanging out and talking to this person if I was interested or not. Right. And since you've scrapped that ideology, do you feel like it's led to a lot more, I don't know, freedom in the way, or not freedom, but you just feel more calm with your decisions, less anxiety provoking. You feel more confident in your decisions, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I'm being more intentional with the time that I spend with people. And that translates to not leading people on because the two date rule basically would be okay, I, I'm not really interested in this person. Like, I don't really want to go on a second date, but I will because I'm giving them up an opportunity to, like, change my mind. Right. When in reality, there's almost nothing that they can do to change my mind. Yeah, leading people on is just, like, a big no. And it's interesting because I think sometimes people have that same idea in their head that, okay, I'll give them another chance and maybe they'll prove me wrong. Um but what I've learned 
especially from talking to you about relationships, that if you're even having that thought, then it's not meant to be. If you feel like you need to give them more time to prove themselves to you, then they're just not the one. And continuing to hang out with them is leading them on, you know? Exactly. And I don't know. I It sounds like a good thing to do to not leave people on, but in reality, it's very, very difficult to do because you really end up hurting people's feelings and it sucks. It, it does suck because, and also you have that, that question in the back of your mind, if this person really likes me and I'm breaking it off with them, is this the last person that I'll ever meet who like cares about me this much or something like that? Yeah. And I feel like I, I especially feel that because I go through like a roller relationship roller coaster where I have like a couple dates or three or four dates sometimes lined up and it's like, like all within a couple weeks and then it lulls for like a month or two months or five months. Right. And I have absolutely no dates or nothing. And then it goes up again. But like in that period of lulling, I'm just like thinking about all the past relationships. I'm like, wow, like if I, if I wanted to settle, I could be in a relationship still as bad as it sounds. Right. And you, you think to yourself, I wonder if I ended a relationship and like, maybe it's the last relationship I'll ever have. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I, I try not to think about that because like, it's not, know. it's not healthy for you. It's, it's not really not healthy. <laughs> not at all. It's a I, very bad thought to possess. When I start thinking about that, then I just like engulf myself in, in listening to other stuff about relationships and like getting it, learning about new things. When they get, when they decide to break up with someone or call something off, I know that I've had those thoughts of wondering if I am potentially ending something that could be the best thing I'll ever have. But maybe it's important to recognize that if you're having those thoughts, then it's, I don't, this might sound mean, but then there's something better out there for you and you were just not meant to be with this person. Yeah. And I guess one of the benefits of my last relationship is is I never felt like it was the wrong like it, it everything was just so natural and it was it was such a like a good time in my life and it was just I mean it's on so many levels I guess we could talk about it an entire another podcast because I could just go in depth about it right but it was um I never thought about other people or if I could do better or if there's something else out there, like there was never a moment on my mind for one second that I wanted to be anywhere else or dating anyone else or being at another place in my life. Right. Because you felt like they were the, they were the right person. You were in a good relationship. Yeah. They were the perfect person at that time to be with, to do, to hang out, to date, et cetera. Right. I will have to say that, um, you did mention a few times in that relationship that you put in more effort. Yeah. But I do agree that I think that you, you seem to be really, you seem to be happier being with that person versus being alone. Yeah. And I, I've learned so much from that relationship, like moving forward. And I mean, so I'm, if I were to go back in time, I wouldn't change anything. Like as I mean, knowing that, um, I was putting in more effort. That's the, that's the number one thing that I was looking for in the next relationship is someone that has amazing communication that we could talk about serious subjects that 
Um, I mean, even the little things like being able to communicate like, hey, I'm having a really bad day. Right. XYZ, this is why I'm having a bad day. Like having that type of relationship is what I'm, um, is what the bar is at now. (laughs) Whereas before that, it was significantly lower. I didn't really know all the stuff that were deal breakers that I know now. Which is like, I can definitely agree that I think you learned a lot from that relationship. And just even like hearing about the things that you've learned secondhand, I've learned a lot through your um, previous relationship. I mean, I think that's a really good topic to discuss. And I mean, I think that's a great point that you made. Yeah. And going back, okay. I, I don't think we talked about hookup culture. We definitely have not talked about hookup culture. What is point blank? What is your, what is your ideology on hookup culture? As in like, what do I believe hookup culture is or like, how do I view? Yeah. Both all the above. Well, based on my experiences, um, I feel like there's a double standard for both men and for women. It's almost as if, let's say, it's almost as if people look down upon, I'm just going to talk from the standpoint of a female, and then you can talk on it from the standpoint of a male. Okay. Uh, But from my experience, um, definitely growing up when I was younger, um, I would say about in high school, girls were definitely judged for having sex, and they were considered sluts, whores, um, they just let go of themselves too easily, um, and it, it's different if a girl's in a relationship, you know, that's not really something they'll get judged for, but I remember when I was a sophomore in high school, um, girls were, were still, you know, like, pretty innocent, and I remember this one girl, it got around that she had sex for her, with her boyfriend, and it was huge news, um, she definitely got bullied behind her back, and it was honestly quite shocking for me to experience that, because I was like, why does it even matter if she is having sex with her boyfriend? That it just it felt strange that this girl was getting judged for having sex with her boyfriend. And another um, thing to keep in mind is that your high school was a Catholic, like a private Catholic school. Right. It was a private all-girls Catholic school. So it, it's very confusing. Like I've been on both sides of the spectrum where like girls at my high school would bully other girls for having sex when we were at the beginning of our high school years and then towards when I graduated girls who had sex they were they were definitely the popular girls the which it was just it was it's strange it's a strange experience that I had with it um the tables turning some some magical point in high school right they dramatically turned and suddenly all of the girls who partied did drugs had sex they were popular and like I am not for or against anything I think that you can sexually express yourself in how whatever way that you please. But it was just interesting for me to view how the tables turned. Um, I don't know if, I don't think it was negative. I don't think it was positive. However, I do think that it's problematic that I would hear from boys that, you know, the more men that women slept with, the more that they were considered sluts. Um, And that's been, you know, reiterated in pop culture, not even in you know, hookup culture from my high school and from my town, you know, that's kind of generic across the board is that men are praised for having more sex and women are judged for it. So what's your opinion on it? 
Okay, my opinion has honestly changed drastically from I would say freshman year. I was I was very set on not doing hookups, not doing one night stands, um, getting in a serious relationship, et cetera, et cetera. I kind of talked about it earlier. Um, yeah. And then most recently, since quarantine, basically, I've kind of shifted that theory because I feel like going back to to being able to have good sex, I feel like you need to have a, at least a little experience to kind of ne- to know. Because, like, I mean, coming into the last relationship, I had literally no experience. Like, I, <laughs> I, I remember. Here's a here's a little, little anecdote. Um, after. Apparently, after the first time we had sex, I didn't know what I was doing. It was the first time I ever had sex. Right. And she, the girl that I used to date, um, she was like, I was about to, like, call my friend and, like, get get her to, like, give me a ride back and, like, leave that night because it was that bad. No way. Yeah. She like, said the sex was that bad that she was going to leave? Yeah, because she didn't know it was, like, the first time that I had sex. I guess, but I, we had sex like the next morning and it made up for it for whatever reason. Okay. So she didn't know that that was the first time that you were having sex, no, but she said it was really bad. Oh no. Oh, oh like, so how did that like make you feel like in that moment? Like what? Oh no, I, I didn't, I didn't know at the time. I had no idea at the time. Cause, cause it was oh. the first time that I had sex. So like, I had no idea what I was doing. Like, Oh my, yeah. So like, I'm sure like that was a weird experience for you. Totally. I well, I wasn't thinking about it at all. Like I, cause I also didn't have anything to reference. Right. I wasn't thinking that it was like good or bad sex. <laughs> right. You were like, okay, this is the first time I'm having sex. I'm going to obviously do the best that I can do. Yeah. And, and I, I guess that's another thing is I didn't tell her that I was a virgin cause it wasn't like socially acceptable for me to say that, especially being as old as I was. Right. And like, I don't blame you. Like, you don't want to get judged for that or for that to be like, and I think that's another unfair thing about hookup culture in general is that if you are a virgin, some people won't want to sleep with you because you're a virgin. And I think that's kind of, it's kind of fucked up. Yeah. It's, it's like the job experience thing where they're like expected three to five years of experience. And you're like, I have zero years of experience. How am I supposed to get three to five years of experience? (laughs) Yeah. And that's, that's a good metaphor for sex. (laughs) It is because it's like, okay, I need experience. So who, who's going to let me be the experience for the next one? Yeah. And so anyways, so I guess I didn't, um, I didn't value having sex with multiple people or with different people um, until after that relationship. Cause I, I feel like I realized that um, I only had one perspective to go off of and going in the future. Um, I was I was thinking that I definitely needed more in order to to even understand. Like I feel like when you only do something one way, you don't you don't really master, you don't understand how it works. Right. No, absolutely you don't. And so having like multiple perspectives um helps you lead you yourself down the right way, theoretically. At least that's that's how I was thinking of it. And so I I kind of opened myself up to it because I, I remember mentally, I just physically couldn't get there either. 
Right. There's just no way that I, I'd be able to have sex with, with someone that I just met. Um, but recently, when, I, when I've gone on dates, it's kind of turned into basically hooking up, which is so crazy to think because I, for the longest time, was so against that. Right. And do you feel like, like personally for you, you're against it for yourself, but in general, like what's your opinion on hookup culture? I mean, I, that's a good question. I, I don't know. I, I'm really confused about it, to be honest. I don't know where I stand. Totally. Like, that's okay. Cause I guess my next question can be vetoed then. Cause I was going to say, let's say that you had a, I guess this is kind of an interesting question to pose for people is would you view hookup culture different if you had a boy versus if you had a girl? Yeah. Okay. That's another thing. <sighs> I don't know. I okay. From from my personal expect, perspective, I there's there's a part of me every time I have sex with anyone that I'm terrified to have a kid. Like I am absolutely terrified. That is if I think that that's the main reason why what's what's holding me back with having sex with people. Honestly, is like the potential of us having a kid and then me being 19, 20, 21, 22 years old having a kid for the rest of my life. Right. Like you're not ready to have that responsibility. It's, it's just so expensive. I remember I was looking back in 2010. Um, it cost one and a half million dollars to raise a kid from zero to 18 years old. And honestly, I think that, wait, say it again. One and a half million dollars to raise a kid from zero to 18 years old. And it was even more expensive for a female. Holy shit. And I think that genuinely, like, that that's crazy. I mean, it, it makes sense, but crazy. I have friends that that did happen to them, and I see people in college that that happened to them. And I'm like, okay, I know I'm not invincible now. And so it's just a, num- it's just a number of statistics now. Part of hookup culture that I'm most scared of is that I don't know the person that I'm hooking up with. It turns out that they're really unhealthy, they're unfit, like either mentally or physically to raise a kid and it's like all on me yeah totally and I think I think it's actually really responsible that you have those thoughts because like I think anyone who is participating in heterosexual sex needs to recognize that there is a potential of them having a baby exactly and you have to be okay with like the consequences of that potentially happening you know yeah, and I think there there was like a small point of contention in my last relationship because I was coming from perspective like I don't want to have kids and she's coming from perspective like I mean, if I had a kid right now, I'd keep it and I guess I'd just be a mom. <laughs> and I was like, holy shit, this is so scary because... Like the fact that they were like kind of ready to have a child. Yeah, and I was like, nowhere near ready. I was right. like, I see, here's what's going to happen is you're going to be taking care of the kid all day and I'm going to be the drop out of college, like get a job, eventually become the manager, not be able to see my kid as much as I want to basically be worried for its entire life. If, if I can afford it and my life and her life, like all this was just running through my head. Right. I mean, that was probably, probably the biggest fear that I had. I mean, in my opinion, it's a really reasonable fear to have. 
I'm not saying you shouldn't enjoy your life, but I think, you know, like, totally, like, that probably would, you know, be a consequence of maybe having a child. Like, you're going to have to then support them. Yeah, like, I I mean, at least my mentality, it would be, like, foregoing my hopes and dreams to help them pursue theirs. Right. And... um I, you said something that really struck a chord with me is that you said one of your biggest fears is having a child with a partner who's not physically or mentally fit to have one. Yes. And like speaking on my experiences, like neither my mom or dad were mentally fit to have children and they were not equipped whatsoever when they had them. And I think that, my dad is now ready. He's now a very good father. But at the time, it was chaotic. And my childhood, you know, suffered the consequences of them not having the tools. Yeah. And I think the other part of that, too, is that they're the, your first role model. Like, the person that you look up to. The person that um, you're, like you're learning every day based on their relationship and how they handle themselves. Right. And I, those are the tools that I'm going to, you know, that I'm going to adapt and learn from and also start mirroring. Yeah. And that's, I mean, even today that those are the tools that you don't have that you're working towards getting. Right. And I definitely carry some of their on, you know, unhealthy habits because it's what I learned. Yeah. You know, for yeah, me, that and, was normal. Yeah, and I guess the the hard part for you is that you have to unlearn what you were taught as a kid. And right. then relearn the way that you want it to be. You said you want to have kids yourself, right? Yes. I that's another thing. I changed my mentality pretty drastically. Like going to college, I, I really wanted to be like a young father. Really? Was your when was your like ideal plan to have children? 23. No way. <laughs> that's, really? that's not how it is now. It's not like that anymore. I can assure you 23 is not the age I want to have a kid. <laughs> it's it's honestly crazy. like, it's so interesting because like back in the day, like I'm sure that I had a similar thought process of being like 23 is the age that your life gets going. But yeah. like, like 23, you're a couple years into your job your career like you're probably making the big bucks that's that was like my original thought but in oh reality God. that doesn't leave a lot of time to figure out who you want it to be with you know what? it's funny because like I had the same thought of like 23 is the big year like as soon as I am you know like um really in my head it was 22 like I figured like you know, 21 would be the end of my college. 22, I'm in a job and I'm, you know, doing adult things. And it's funny how I couldn't be more incorrect about that. I probably won't graduate college until I'm 23. Yeah. And there's no way that you're having a kid at 23. <laughs> Absolutely zero, zero way that's going to happen for me. Um, so that's, that's really interesting how much both of our thought processes have changed. That's so crazy. <laughs> 
I wonder, like, why it is that in our heads, like, that was the ideal age. Like, was that a pop culture thing? Was that, you know, the older generation putting that idea into our head? Like, I, I wonder know. where we got that. I think that, do we have anything more to talk about on this subject? Honestly, we could end our podcast off today by, you know, on a lighter note about the recent news article that I found. I don't know if you saw it. I posted it on my Instagram. Um, it was um, a former space security chief found or says extraterrestrials exist and Trump knows about it. And then the little sub explanation says a galactic federation has been waiting for humans to reach a stage where we will understand what space and spaceships are. So I guess my first, do you believe that aliens exist? And do you believe this news article? I am super hesitant about this news article, especially after the, um, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like we could, anything could be made up and made sound realistic. Totally. I think what what I I'm uncertain how I feel about the article. I believe that there there is life on you know there I believe hundred percent that I believe. However the news article I find only to be peculiar because um the main point of the article is basically stating that aliens were waiting to reveal themselves because they didn't think we were ready to know what like spaceships were and we weren't ready to know that they existed. However, like we've been talking since the time of the talk that aliens exist. If anything, humans have been ready. We've been speculating this for years, given crop circles and whatnot. And Stephen Hawking died. So why wouldn't you want to talk to theoretically the the smartest person of our generation? Right. So I'm like, like that is what makes me think that the article is, you know, I think that we know that there's life on other earth. I don't think that we had a conversation with the galactic federation and that they told us we just weren't ready. I don't think that article or another part of it. I think that said like that there was, they were like, there was some civilization inside Mars or something like that. Like social media has trained us to be skeptical of everything that we read. Right, which I think is one of the more redeeming qualities that hopefully our generation has picked up on. Yeah, we're, we have access to the to more things than we've ever, more information than we've ever been able to to have access to, but there is a good percentage percentage of it that's not reliable (laughs) okay i don't think do you have anything else to add nope i think that we can wrap it up we talked about some aliens some good stuff so i think that's it i think it's gonna be a trend that the the last part of each um pod like the last 15 to 20 minutes is just gonna be like the most random deep shit I think that that's probably, I feel like I kind of like that trend, you know? Yeah, I do. Cause like, if you, if you keep through mm. everything else, then, then you'll get to the gold. Right. Exactly. And then you'll get to the good hunkity chunkity of stuff. The national sexual assault hotline is 800-656-HOPE and online at org. <laughs> We're gonna do that again. <laughs> Kentucky.
Say it again. Kentucky. Yeah, Kentucky. The drug dealer was another guy who was also hitting on me. I'm not you you didn't DM the drug dealer. You DM'd the creepy dog dude this. I it just didn't come up until today. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely yeah. information I would have enjoyed hearing earlier, but it's fine. I can move forward from it. For exactly. the love of the higher powers, please do not do that. Voice change. It got a little bit more raspy towards the end. I need my voice to change. I fucking need <laughs> voice. And one of the surveys mm. from can you hear him? I, I hear your dog. He's whining. He's like, Dad, you're done. You're done with whatever you're doing, and you're going to take me out. We have to get into the conversation when I broke your phone. <laughs> In a oh, podcast. <laughs> my, we are going to definitely save that because that was something. That was the thing that happened. It sure was. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't that mad. You're, you don't get a choice to not be my friend. I'm gonna bug you for the long haul, man. I hadn't put a condom on in... Okay, side note. When we were in fourth grade, um, one of my friends got condoms from his older sister and all of our our entire friend group put them on in the bathroom and we just had them on. (laughs) It was the weirdest thing looking back on it. Uh, But we we thought we were so cool because we had condoms. But anyways, since it was the first time since fourth grade that I had a condom on. The first time I lost my sex, he definitely, or the first time I lost my, not the first time, the only time I lost my virginity. Um, Sorry, for now the function is not so Chill, bro. Sorry. And I didn't have very, very many friends in when I was in eighth grade, which I believe is third grade. Or sorry, I did not have very many friends when I was eight years old. You're like, I found some statistics. Whips out one hard statistic. I love it. Though. 